Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross, and today I am joined by a very special guest. It's Eliza Orleans, a career public defender and fan favorite castaway from Survivor Vanuatu and Survivor Fans vs. Favorites. I've memorized that, Eliza, from your... uh, I mean, you don't call yourself a fan favorite, but I can say that. Um, But from your intros online... She filled in for me once, I think during Survivor 43 when I was away, and now Evan's away, so I've asked her to fill in for Evan today because we had to talk about this big episode three of Survivor 45. So welcome back to the podcast, Eliza, even though it's the first time that I'm speaking with you. uh, This is your second time on the podcast, so welcome back. Thank you, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you and thrilled to be talking about such a captivating episode of Survivor. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about Survivor 45 overall. We're only three episodes in, but you know, I've seen you talking about Survivor 45 online a bit. So I want to get you on the record on some of these things before we get to episode three. So let's get straight into it. How are you feeling generally about Survivor 45 three episodes in? So episode one, was pretty tough. I mean, I think I've been quite vocal with my feelings on quitters generally. And, you know, the fact that someone could make it, I don't blame Hannah for this. And in fact, now I'm quite thankful she quit because God forbid this season didn't have Emily on it. Um, but, but I, I think I was kind of a little unsure of how it was going to go. But really, I think it's been an extraordinary season so far. I hope 90 minute episodes become the norm and, give us the flexibility of seeing and getting to know people and not just, okay, challenge plus some crazy twist that they've added into the game being the only thing that kind of takes up the 42 minutes of airtime that we have per episode. And so I've been thrilled with this season so far. I'm really enjoying it. There are some great characters. There's been some great strategizing. And I just love Survivor. I feel so lucky that we're 45 seasons in and, and still get to watch the best show on television. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, we were coming off a really, really successful season, I think, from 44. And so far, 45 is living up to it. I don't know if it's the 90-minute episodes. How are you feeling about the 90-minute episodes? It's great. It's really great. It feels like, you know, you get to have a little bit more time for the camp life, the strategy, the getting to know the individuals as players and not just something that's so... Uh, narrow and kind of singular focused and and trite mm. almost because they 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 don't have as much they you know with a 60 minute episode you really only have 42 minutes and with a challenge with tribal council with a crazy twist probably that that you know they've put in there's so little time for getting to know each of the individual players and so I've really enjoyed that yeah. Well, you mentioned Hannah's quit, and I would like to just talk a little bit more about that. Uh, because when we talked about it on our episode one recap, we sort of came to the conclusion that like, 
Hannah's an icon for quitting. And like, I look, I know what you're saying that you like, you don't love a quitter on the show. But I do have to say Hannah made a splash in episode one, even before she well before she quit. And that's a lot more than I can say for a lot of people who go out first, whether we call them a first boot or a quitter. Um, And so I have to appreciate her for bringing a little drama to the island uh, on episode one and just throwing herself into it. Now she does quit at tribal council ostensibly. It's interesting. Jeff says the next episode that she was voted out. Yeah. So like, which is it? Yeah. That whole thing was kind of bizarre because either, either someone's quitting and you know, he, he back in the day used to lay down their torch. It Mm -hmm. was not, you know, you didn't get the, Oh, you get voted out. Um, and I think it was a bit confusing in that regard. And, you know, again, I'll say I I just think that someone who hasn't even gone to the trouble of weaning themselves off caffeine, let alone nicotine, just shouldn't be cast on the show. And so I see this as a casting failure. And I think that Mm. it's quite easy to see how this has happened. You know, casting now takes place almost entirely remotely, virtually, like in this new post-COVID world that we live in, that things are done uh, via Zoom. And, you know, they used to put us in a hotel room I think I was sequestered for 10 days or something, at least a week out in Los Angeles doing psych testing. But also they're seeing how you react, how you, you know, someone who needed to leave their hotel room every hour to have a cigarette, they know, you know, they know every time they don't let you leave your room. You have to like ask permission. You have to be escorted, et cetera. And so someone like Hannah would just never have made the cast. You know, they cast Shane Powers knowing who he was, but that's Shane Powers. Hannah is Mm -hmm. no Shane Powers. Um, Like, you know, let's be... (laughs) Let's be let's be fucking for real here. Like, um, uh, uh, and so I just think that the new era of the way that they cast, which is, you know, predominantly on Zoom. And and then I think they fly you out for one day to Los Angeles. Like, it's just not sufficient to vet out people who are just not cut out for the game. Right. Okay. this is I don't know if this question is offside, but. I've always heard, I think Johnny Fairplay may have uh, told this story that in Micronesia that James was given nicotine patches. Is that true? Do you know anything about that? So I, so you know what's funny? It's actually, there's a, there's quite an interesting backstory. And I think that, listen, am I allowed to tell it? I've told people this now at this point, but yes, I was furious furious when I found out James was getting, I, I guess it was nicotine patches. I don't know because I feel like you would have seen a patch, but maybe it was something else. Yeah. But he was definitely receiving something. And you know what they wouldn't let me have? I get motion sick on boats. And so I asked to bring Dramamine in my med kit with my other medications I was taking, you know, birth control and my tampons, everything else. And they said, no, you can't have Dramamine. That's like not a prescription medication. You don't get that. You don't get the opportunity to have that. And it it would give you an unfair advantage. And I was like, well, really, I'm being put at a disadvantage because I get off of like a boat where you've kept us on the underbelly of the boat, like sitting out in the water, rocking, waiting to go do a challenge. And I get off and I'm like all woozy. How am I supposed to compete at the level that I need to? In fact, you're putting me at a disadvantage. And I was really advocating for myself to get uh, Dramamine. And when I found out James was getting nicotine patches and I was not getting my Dramamine, like I was livid, just pissed beyond comprehension like beyond measure so yeah I I have I I do know that he was receiving something because I was so furious about it when I found out 
Wait, this is so crazy that you bring this up because we just interviewed Caroline Weaker this week from Survivor 44, and she told us about how she was getting Dramamine on the trips to Tribal and that they was making her sleepy at Tribal Council because she was getting motion sickness from the boat. What the heck? See, this I is- had ne- I have never even heard of this drug before, and I just heard of it from Carolyn, and now you're bringing this it up. This is the most insane thing I've ever, you know, because I, I, I've said to the the new age castaways, I mean, I, 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 I feel as though it makes me seem like I'm such a, oh, I'm like, back in my day, Survivor was so yeah. hard. Back in my day, Survivor was so hard. I tell you, I have a scar on my hand from, I, I, I was uh, chopping manioc with the machete in back in Vanuatu. This was final five. Uh, Julie and Chris were off on a reward. It was just me, Scout, and Twyla at camp. And I'm chopping manioc. And I go like this with the machete. And it it hits my hand. My hand splits ah. open. Blood is like gushing down my arm. And I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm going to pass out because hand, when you bleed a lot from your hand, I don't know, I yeah. felt like really faint. I'm like 100 pounds. I've lost like, you know, 20-something pounds at this point. It's like day 30 something someday that no castaway on the current season will ever get to um yeah, and yeah. and i had cut myself with this filthy machete that we'd been using for a month and i'm like can i please get some medical attention can i get medical attention for this like i my i'm gushing blood I, like i just want like an alcohol swab and a band-aid maybe and they were like yeah if you want to quit if you want to quit the game you can get a oh band-aid like if if you're ready to just walk off you can go get medical attention and i'm like we're final five. Like, are you, you would carry me off this island in a body bag before I would quit the game of Survivor. Like, there's no chance I would quit for, for a cut. But even between my first season and my second season, you know, obviously they gave Jonathan Penner stitches, which then caused his infection mm-hmm. on the island, you know, and caused him to be medevaced. But, but they have, you know, slowly but surely started giving much more medical attention, much more. You know, I heard the contestants get like Gatorade behind the scenes now. They get like um, no. electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. On the current season, they're getting electrolytes, what? like electrolyte water. So they don't. Where'd like, you hear that? From people. <laughs> from sources. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've never it's heard just, that one. The show has changed so much in terms of how easy they've made it for contestants. And like, yes, drama makes you tired, but you don't feel like you're gonna vomit like from being on a mm-hmm. boat. Like, I'm very jealous that Carolyn was was given Dramamine. Wow. It's so interesting because I think it speaks to something broader about what the show has become. And I'm not saying it's bad or good, but I'm just saying like the show is so focused now on the game that's being played that so much of that survival aspect has been removed like quietly and slowly over the years. And I know that there's some people that kind of, I, I think, don't care about that. Right. Uh, but that made those early seasons so special. Now, do I want you to be like gushing blood out of your hand? It's for no reason no but there, there are aspects i think that that i miss like a, you know like a, having to having to go without boiling water because you don't you can't make a fire like that's i i don't want someone to completely dehydrate and and become like right. very sick from that but there was an element of okay well this is we are pretending to be stranded on a desert island and this is like a realistic scenario that could happen right to you and there. listen i do i think it's better i think after the the giving of the well with water that was already purified to people like i'm I think that's that's a good thing. I was sick for years after my first season because we were in Vanuatu. We were getting water out of a stream near our camp, and um, I ha- I 
you know, contracted giardia from having, there was fecal oh matter God. in the water. And so we were, like, I was extremely sick. Like, it took me, like, years to physically recover from my first season of Survivor. So, like, I would not wish that on anyone. I'm glad that they provide water for people. Like, this is, especially when they're not giving a flint for a week. Like, you know, it's, yeah. that's outrageous. Like, you can't expect that. And so, you know, that is not something that I'm, I've criticized it's just kind of, yes, they've taken away the survival elements. Like even when, like, I can't remember, it was probably, that was probably 10 seasons ago or something where they started giving rice yeah. and everyone was like, oh, well, white rice Wednesdays. And I was like, I'll never call it that because A, Survivor was always on on Thursdays. And B, yeah. I never received one grain of rice on either one of my seasons of the Survivor. They never mm. gave us any food. Like, you know, in Vanuatu, we had a reward challenge where we won um you know, Da, the local who came to our camp and showed us how we could live off the land, which was incredible. Um, but it was never, you know, was never given any food that we couldn't ourselves scavenge for. But now that they use the same locale every time, like they've probably, they have to like plant coconuts for the contestants mm. because they have already cut them all down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've depleted the resources. Yeah. Um, but okay, so, okay, so I'll give you the water thing. Yeah, nobody needs to be sick for years from playing a game for TV. But... Uh, what do you what do you make of this like no flint thing? Because I mean, this has been going on for some time, and I feel like it doesn't impact the show in any way. Like, do I? And aside from perhaps like Sabaya has this wax idol, but that's like a brand new right. element in the show. But to sort of be like, well, you're not going to get flint, which is going to make your life really, really hard out there. But I don't find that it actually like changes the show, the product that I'm as I'm as I'm a watcher. I don't think it really has that much of an impact. Yeah, I also think it's like one of the like dumber twists that's been introduced. Like what you have to give your flint back if you lose the immunity challenge. Like it was like you know, I guess in my in micro by the time it was Micronesia, you didn't get your you had to win your flint, so you had to win the the first challenge to get your flint. Mm. So we didn't have flint, but we made um Yao Man's glasses. Yeah. Slash what it really was, which I think you know. Sorry, what? Now it's public, so I can say it because it's already public. You know how we really made fire in Micronesia? I don't know this one. <gasps> oh, my God. Well, he said it publicly first, so now I think I can say yeah, it. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. So this is – I know we're supposed to be recapping the current episode. I think we just – No, like, I want to hear this. <laughs> um, so we – you know, we for hours and hours made it look like we were using Yao Man's glasses with a drop of water on fire. And like, we just sat there for hours doing that. And eventually we were like, the, you know, the the cameras can't be on you all the time when you're literally just sitting there trying to like not make your hands shake and hold it still. Yeah. And what Ozzy had done is he'd sewn a tiny little magnifying glass uh, piece into the hem of his shorts and he quickly pulled that out for one second put a drop of water on it because a magnifying glass i mean your your eyeglasses unless they're extremely yeah. strong prescription it's very hard to get fired we were getting like a little bit of steam but when you use a magnifying glass like it's it's instant and so yeah. they pull out the magnifying glass they do it and then they wait for like a second and then they quickly put it like once it's the fire is lit they pull it away and if you watch that scene in micronesia the cameras like come back around right when fire is like created and they have Yao man's glasses out but it wasn't we didn't do it from glasses um because we didn't have flint yet but that's how we got fire in micronesia <laughs> okay wait so the the cameras conveniently away. Like, do they know what's happening? Absolutely or not. They you're waiting like, for the cameras waiting to be for away. them to to like like a scene is happening over there. So like there aren't infinite cameras. You know, it's not Big Brother. Right. Um, and yeah. so 
like we wait until they walk away and they're far enough away that they and then they're like okay we have like 10 seconds like and and they pull out the the magnifying glass with the drop of water on it boom get fire and then wait until it's like actually burning they put the magnifying glass away pull the the glasses back out and they're like oh my god we got it we got it and then the camera crews come running over See, I saw that Ozzy was on a podcast recently talking about all the stuff he sewed into his I know. shorts for Micronesia. And I kind of didn't believe him. No, no. I was like, it's I real. Was like, is this? Confirmed. Oh, shit. I know. And now it's like, no one will ever be able to do it again. And it's like how Richard Hatch, you know, smuggled waterproof matches in his rectum. I just found that out yeah. from Kathy when she was on our podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, back in the day, we actually had to be... Uh, it was like a strategic game, not just the strategy of right. the game itself, but the pre-strategy of figuring out how you were going to survive. Okay, wait, one more thing about the Micronesia yeah. thing is that like also there's always been these rumors about food, food raids on the oh, production yeah, yeah, yeah. camp. No, everybody knows about that now. And that Alexis and James like had a big accident, which caused James injury. It caused Alexis's um, injury when she she hurt her knee. She was with Eric Reichenbach. James was already gone oh, at that point. okay, okay. But didn't James also cut his finger? Like he got medevaced, no? Yeah, but I think, Is but J- I don't think it was from stealing food. Alexis's injury okay. was though. Yeah. Okay. I know. And were you were, like, did you were you ever involved in this food? Did you get to eat it? So it was so crazy. Wait, can I, I'm gonna get in some. I I wonder if I'm gonna get in Who's trouble. Who's gonna for get this? you in trouble at this point? It's like, so you think funny Jeff that Post I'm like still like, nervous about this. You? But, you know, a decade and a half later. Um, but <laughs> one, you know, one of the things, and I think everyone knows that one of the things that that contestants crave more than anything out there is peanut butter. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you remember like Heidi and Jenna stripped down for peanut butter. Like yeah. peanut butter is like something about it because it's like sweet and salty and is protein. It's yeah. like there's nothing you want more out there than peanut butter. I can't explain it. But one night I'm like laying in the shelter and I'm like, I like I'm dreaming about peanut butter to the point where I'm like, I think I smell peanut butter. Like, is this crazy? And I wake <laughs> up and these excuse my life, these bitches are eating peanut butter without me. And I'm like, oh my God, are you guys eating fucking peanut butter? And they're like, they're like, oh yeah, we saved this for you. Meanwhile, they had eaten an entire jar of peanut butter. There's just like the teeniest bit at the bottom of the container. And they're like, yeah, this is for you. Like we only got a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, right. They ate the whole freaking jar. And of course, like we have no, nothing to get it. So I'm sticking my hand, I'm jamming my hand into the peanut butter container to like get the little bits of peanut butter off the bottom. And I'm pulling it back out. I'm like eating it off my hand. And I've got like cuts on the sides of my hand from like jamming my hand into this peanut butter container. Um, that like Parvati and Alexis and Natalie were were chowing down on. Wow, I know. Big secrets from Microsoft. I know. Oh my gosh. Do you think the fan? Like, do you think the fans were getting away with any of that? Well, I mean, Alexis, but she no, was not until yeah, not until they were with the favorites. Not until they knew yeah. that that like James, because James said he started doing it in China, and he's like, but I had to go. Courtney was dying. That girl was dying. Like he's like, <laughs> so he was like, I had to go get stuff to save Courtney's life. Like it was chivalrous. Yeah. He was just being chivalrous. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. Back to forty-five. Okay. Let's talk about forty-five. Because Mike, hey, Micronesia, you are a returning player. We have a returning player again. First one in five seasons. That's we true. We have Bruce now. Like I don't know. I'm using the ter- term player very loosely because he didn't really get to play right. in his first season. He had a, a total of about 12 hours out there, um, most of which he was not playing the game. And but we have him here, and I'm curious. Like you've come 
into a season with newbies, half fan, allegedly their fans. Um, and, and so there's some reverence. I mean, you're like, at that time, you were a huge figure in, in Survivor like history hmm. that, as, as short as it was back then uh but certainly a fan favorite and so you're coming on this season with all these newbies they have preconceived notions about you you don't know who they are and granted you didn't play with them until the swap but you're having to build relationships with people who kind of know who you are what is that like and are you like recognizing anything in the way that bruce is is playing this well i guess you know bruce's challenge is more that question would be better suited for, you know, um, Stephanie LaGrosa or or Penner mm. or Ozzy or Coach or someone who played as a returner on a tribe of newbies because we were all returners on our tribe. Mm-hmm. So by the time we swapped or merged, you know, there was some element of like, oh, yeah, we have to um, kind of play it a certain way. But Really, because we were all returners as, like, the game started up, it didn't feel like – it felt like we all kind of could just be people who had already played this game. Like, we didn't have to be like, oh, I need to be careful how I talk about X or Y or Z in front of these people who have never played. It was – it was so bizarre. Like, the first day in – in our camp in Micronesia, we were like a well-oiled machine. Like everybody was just like, okay, let's just, everybody off to work. Like, let's just do this. Let's just do that. And it was just, it had like such a different feel than the first day of the first time you play. Mm. Um, But because we weren't with newbies, like I think it's a, it's kind of like a different experience than what Bruce is having, is having. But I do think that, and, and I think we've seen this over and over that even if you've only played 12 hours, even if you only know what it's like to go through the pregame, go through the, you know, the start of the show, like it does give you an advantage. Totally. I can totally see it from Emily's perspective. And thank God somebody called it out because I, <laughs> I think it deserves to be called out a little bit. Queen that's, Emily. That's not, yeah, amazing. She's she's the star of the season. Oh my God, Before I'm we, obsessed with her. <laughs> Before we move on from Bruce, he, Bruce is is really talking about his time on Survivor, like as short as it was. Like you would think he's a huge superstar in Survivor history, um, but he's also he's not just talking about his time on Survivor. He's also name dropping, and he name drops Kane. I know people. Kane. I mean, is that not hilarious? And Katura, just every single one of her confessional, I'm obsessed with her too. Katura just like destroys Bruce yeah. over and over and over. Oh my God. I'm really it's enjoying really it. It's really great. Yeah. I, I have to know, Eliza, because you, you've met a lot of people from reality TV at this point and outside of reality TV. Okay, so who's your biggest name drop? Like if you, if you were at a party right now and you were really trying to impress people, whether you name drop or not. Oh my God. Uh, who's your biggest name drop? Wow, that's a tough one. My biggest name drop. Um, you mean of Survivor or just like, like anybody in life? Well, in I, life. then I guess, you know, it's such a lawyer answer, but I would say it depends. You know, like who am I trying to impress? Like, yeah, am yeah. I trying to impress? Is this a political crowd? Because then I've got like some big name politicians yeah. who I would name <laughs> drop. Is this like a music crowd? Because, you know, I've met, like who have you met i don't know like i guess like the most famous artist i've met is probably 
Well, like Lady Gaga sat on my lap one time, and that for I've, me, I've met Lady Gaga too. That was my so. like that was my Super Bowl, <laughs> but um, but also like met Nick Jonas. I don't know. Like it depends who I'm trying to impress. When did Lady Gaga sit on your lap? Um, I was at Rose Bar at the Gramercy Park Hotel, R.I.P. And um, uh, you know, it's a small, it's like a tiny little bar, probably like uh-huh. 50, 60 people there, and I was there with friends who, um you know, who knew the owners and we're sitting in the, the like there, there used to be like kind of two sets of seats. There's like the fireplace and kind of where the jazz band plays. And then there are like the two best kind of seats, like the couch and the chairs, like right up in the front. And we're sitting on one of them and the other one is empty. And it's like a Thursday night and the jazz band's going to come on. I'm like, it's so weird that that's em- like no one's sitting there. And they're like, oh yeah, like it's reserved. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I wonder why. Like, and the band is getting ready to play. And then all of a sudden in walks like Lady Gaga with her like entourage, like with a handful of people. And and they sit down at the table like directly next to us. And then, you know, she's apparently very close friends with the guy who plays, um, I want to say the trombone in the jazz band. And he's like, hey, everyone, a friend of mine is here. I hope you all don't mind if she sings with us. And I'm just like, ah, like just freaking out. And I'm sitting in the armchair that's like the closest to the to the band. And she is like back and forth. She's singing. I'm like taking a million pictures. She ends up coming and sitting right on the armchair of where I'm sitting and I'm just like, oh my God. It's like, you know, the greatest night of my life. <laughs> it's only in New York, you know. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Uh who and your biggest survivor name drop is well, it has to be Twyla. Oh yeah. <laughs> um uh, it was just her birthday. I texted her to tell her. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're you know, we did not get along well on the show, but we we definitely did afterwards. Oh wow, that's great to hear! Because yeah. I to- I I announced to our patrons that you were coming on, and and one of the first questions was, "When's the last time she talked to Twyla?" So literally like yesterday or the day before. Amazing! Yeah. Wow, I'm glad we addressed that. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Twyla! Happy birthday, Twyla! <laughs> um, and yeah, who's my biggest survivor name drop? I don't know. I mean, I feel like you've met everybody at this I've point. Met almost everybody. Yeah. Who like who is the biggest? Colleen Haskell. Who for you? Colleen Haskell. You've met Colleen no. Haskell? No. Oh, oh my God. I thought you were going to say who's the biggest that I would like, that I think would you be scared the- scared the shit out of me. No, who's met Colleen Haskell? That would be my number Literally. one. I would actually probably like fangirl over her because she's, yeah. you know, I've, I've loved her more than half my life. Yeah, yeah. totally. Me too. Yeah. Like I fell, I fell in love with Survivor because of Colleen Haskell. Exactly. Um, oh God, you really scared me there. I no, no, no. Tell me that you met her. No, I wish. I thought I thought you were going to say who would be the biggest. The biggest yeah. that I've met, it's like, I don't know. These everyone to me, especially the people who played after me, they're just people. Like it's yeah, not totally. But the it's like the very first survivor I ever met um was Ethan Zahn, who spoke at mm-hmm. my at co- my college when I I like literally had just been announced, the cast had just been announced. Like my season hadn't even started airing and he was doing a college tour of speaking gigs and I went up to him and I said, oh, hey, I'm on the new season of Survivor. It's so nice to meet you. And we took a picture. And I was a senior in college and met Ethan Zahn. And I was like, you know, thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. And by the way, you know what is so unbelievably insane? Because this was in the fall of 2004. And I was a senior at Syracuse. And Jam Jam was a freshman at Syracuse. And he was also in the auditorium where Ethan spoke. So there oh were God. two Survivor winners and me, <laughs> loser. Um, <laughs> but but isn't that nuts that Jam Jam was also there when Ethan spoke? He was a freshman. Yeah. I was a senior. And like I met Ethan that night. It was just crazy. 
Yeah, at Syracuse University. Fall Does 2004. Does that timeline add up? How, how old is Jam Jam? Jam Jam is four years younger than I am or three oh, years younger than I am because he was a freshman oh when I was God. a senior at Syracuse. He's like, oh, I knew who you were. I like loved Survivor. I loved you. Like, yeah. Wow. Isn't that nuts? That is wild. Okay. Well, it's no Kane, but it's yeah, no Kane. I'll give it to you. It's yeah. no Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's meeting Kane. Kane lives in Saskatchewan. No, I met Kane. Oh, you met Kane. Oh, my God. Well, fucking drop his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I met Kane. Kane is lovely. Like he, sure I think he is. traveled the farthest to kind of to be here in New York for the finale last yeah, season. Yeah, there's probably a couple connecting flights there. I think he had to take three flights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> let's. We're talk never going to get through the episode. I'm no, sorry. We're not going to get through it. Let's talk about Emily because she is the star of the season, despite kind of being on the outs early on, and she pulled off a huge move this week, sending Sabaya home with an idol in her pocket. Do you think that she made the right move sticking with Caleb? I feel like there was pros and cons to to both like going with Sean and Sabaya uh, or sticking with Caleb who had kind of like brought her under his wing, already put in the work, right? So do you think that she made the right move? I think so. I think so. Because I think even though Sabaya brought her in, it was really for a, a certain purpose, which was to get rid of someone who she saw as a threat at the end. But in a in a merge or swap situation, Sabaya wasn't that tied to Emily and was like, oh, I'm always going to have my eye on her. She's too perceptive. She knew there were only two votes cast. She this, you know, Sabaya was never, I don't think, going to be 100% with Emily. And Caleb was. Caleb was like all in on Emily from early on. And I think she, um, she really made the right call there. Do you think that it was? it's a little too early for Sabaya to be thinking about who she's going to be sitting next to at the end? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot too early. Like they were identified as a huge threat duo you know, by Emily in episode one. And it's episode three and she already wants to get him out. I like, know. I know. I don't know what's going on with that. I know. Uh, like we've seen sort of like the 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 evolution of turning against your closest ally, uh, but it's really speeding up in the new era. Seriously. Well, everything is speeding up in the new era, you know, and I think that it's one of the downsides of having these shortened seasons that you really kind of don't get the the bonding time as much. And so it's much easier to cut someone's throat because you don't feel you haven't just spent days on end with them. You know, when you don't have a challenge, when you don't have an adventure, you don't have something to do, you're just sitting there just talking for hours on it. That's the stuff you you never kind of saw in the old era because they didn't air it. You know, it doesn't, there was no time to show all the like hours of boredom and downtime we had. Um, and I think it's so funny because that's like, even Big Brother, I think has that exponentially, you know, to an exponential degree, especially on a hundred day season. And Suri is really suffering from that um, currently. (laughs) Yeah. It just seems like such a mistake to be voicing, even if it's a ruse or something like that, to be voicing your like desire to get an, an ally out. And I can't help but think about Vanuatu and the whole Dolly situation. And it's it's the first vote. Like, you've got an alliance. Everything's great. Why is it that people want to make the move? Is it just, like, personal issues, do you think? Like, why not play it safe? And granted, like, it makes for great TV for us. Like, totally. usually these first episodes can be a slog. But when you get these situations, it's like, what are these people doing? I, I mean, I think it's just, like, a huge miscalculation. I think it's just 
you know, it's it's way too soon and you just don't like I don't know, like big moves are great, I guess, if you're in a post-merge situation where you you really mm-hmm. feel as though you need to build a resume and blah blah blah. You know, but I think that that the way that that it's being talked, I mean, this is we're still very early game here. Episode three, like slow your roll. Yeah. Yeah, especially with such a small tribe. It's I like, know. What are we doing? Hopefully this will abolish, though, um, uh, fire making. Because, God, what an interesting dynamic it is to vote with only four people. That's ding, the ding, thing. Ding, ding, like, ding. It's like Je- Jeff is big on this. I love the small tribes. I like six people. Or forget six people. We have three votes cast at Tribal Council in, like, episode two, uh, episode three. And it's... Like, well, the drama, the drama of these, if that's what you love, then guess what? That is exponentially heightened mm-hmm. when, by the time that you've invested in all of these people and somebody has to make that really important decision at the end. Like that is uh, that it's so memorable in so many occasions that like who remembers really fire making? I mean, the only the the honestly just the worst fire making in history. I mean, there's so many painful ones, but um. But I just still like I'm not over Jesse losing that. Yeah. Jesse would have won the season, you know. Like Jesse should have won yes. and the first formerly incarcerated winner. Like I just like love Jesse so much and yeah. was really, really, really pulling for him. And I feel like that is what destroyed that season. Yeah, and I feel like it destroyed a lot of seasons. I mean, look, yeah. Ben won his season against the fire making. Oh, <laughs> it's just uh, for for a game that's about sort social strategy. Why are we doing this? I know. But I digress. So they're big on the journeys in the new era. They're always going on a journey to Advantage Island. And they have toned it down a little bit, but we did see a journey in episode two. And I thought that this was really interesting coming in to talk to you because people talk about the journey and all of this like it's a very new thing. And for the most part, it is. But let's remember in Vanuatu, when John came over to the Yasser camp to give somebody an individual immunity necklace... And you have like a very similar parallel, like from f- from season nine to season 45, uh-huh. where they're getting together. And th- of course, they want like some tea about what's going on at this other tribe. And well, luckily for John, <laughs> Eliza, you spilled it all, <laughs> <laughs> much like Brandon did to uh, Drew and Bruce. <laughs> so like, do you see any parallels between what happens there? And do you think that it matters if you really reveal a lot about uh, the tribe dynamics? Or, or how do you think, what do you think the right way to play that is? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I look back. Or what do you think about the wrong way I to play that? I look back on, on little 21-year-old me 19 years ago and, you know, feel a lot of cringe watching it back sometimes. But I think that, um, you know, there are there are two kind of two camps in terms of how to play it. It's like one, keep everything really close to the vest, like don't reveal too much, uh, et cetera. And the other is reveal what you can to try to make another relationship with someone who you're potentially going to be playing with the game, you know, playing the game with on a, on a like longer term basis and who you may n- need their help in the future and kind of like investing in a relationship instead of, you know, just like keeping everything close to the vest. I, I don't know. Like, it's so funny. Somebody put a poll on, uh, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, the 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 app formerly known as Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. If you had 
an idol or an advantage or whatever, would you tell anyone or like tell your closest ally or tell no one or whatever? And I was like, oh yeah, tell someone. And I clicked immediately tell someone. And it was 91% of people said, don't tell anyone. And I was in the 9% that said, tell someone. And I guess that is where I fall because like for me, it's a, like, I think I'm like, I want to like build those relationships. I would use it to, to, to kind of gain closeness with someone and whatever. But, um, I guess there are plenty of people out there who think that keeping everything to yourself is the is the move. And we're seeing people tell, right? Like we saw Drew tell about his uh, safety without power advantage. We saw Brandon go back and tell him, look, I lost my vote. Here's the paper. I feel like in some way they're sort of backed into a corner to have to tell the truth now because they've seen this play out so many times. Right. And if you don't have evidence to back it up, then you're probably lying. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, also Austin I think they, telling. I don't think they have a choice. Austin telling is basically what's going to end, like what ended up helping him restore his vote. And even had he not, you know, because Drew yeah. got that advantage from Caleb, Austin would have had his vote restored regardless, potentially, if it was necessary because he shared that information with Drew. So, yes. you know, ultimately what we're seeing is a payoff from sharing and being open with your tribe and, you know, and, and building that trust. So I think like now it is you're incentivized to share rather than, oh, I have a hidden immunity idol. Let me just like completely that I found on my own accord. Let me just completely keep it to myself unless it becomes like absolutely necessary. Yeah. And they're making it so that, especially with these beware advantages, that you kind of have to work together. I mean, it turned out you didn't really, but like to figure out that you didn't have to work together, you kind of had to work together Mm. like Sabaya with, you know, there was just a string you could cut to get it out of the tree, but they had to figure that out together. Um, And then... I thought this on the Reba tribe with with uh, Austin's idol was really interesting that they were having to go look for it. And they've developed this four-person alliance of Austin, Drew, Dee, and Julie, uh, which I'm really keeping my eye on. But uh, that they get caught looking for the beware advantage and then they go, okay, like uh, now we'll be honest and we'll sort of like be 80% honest, as Austin said, um, and work together. But then I thought there was a real missed opportunity when... Julie and Dee were doing the digging and find the rope and find the next piece, this hammer that they have to go use, uh, that they went and gave that to Austin. I felt like I kind of wish they they pulled one over on Austin and Drew. I know. You know, I and and somebody posed a very interesting question, basically saying, what if the idol gets found, but not by Austin? Is his vote restored? What happens there? Like, it presents a lot of very interesting questions, I think, where, like, I kind of don't know that we have a, like, a real answer to that. Like, we don't know what would have happened. They have to have thought this through, right? Because that (laughs) would be so exciting. I know. (laughs) That would have been so exciting for them to find that idol. And, like, maybe, I guess, two things could happen. One, Austin is left in the dark and he goes to tribal council and he goes up to the voting booth and he's allowed to vote. Whoa, somebody found the idol and I don't know about it. Is it that the idol is found, period, or has to be in my possession? Right. Because that, or they just, if because if it's not in his possession, then what? He just can never vote again until the merge? It doesn't, yeah. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but I do think that what Julian and Dee did solidified that foursome like completely and I really I feel sad because I think 
Jay and Sifu are great characters, yeah. but I think like they're both just they're just pre-mergers. Like I just don't see a way for either of them to to kind of kind of break in. I mean, but I guess we're seeing a tribe swap next week, so you never know. But also just like the way yeah. they're being edited, I'm just like sad that we're not going to see more of them. They're both like such good characters, I think. Totally. Jay Maya was such a big name in the pre-game, uh, in the pre-season sort of materials and stuff. And people were really excited about it. I mean, her, her TikTok got, is amazing. She's got, yeah, she's got a huge following online and her music is even good. Like, it's so good. I can vouch for it. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's actually good music. And uh, you don't always get that. I mean, like I was just posting about Baylor Wilson's music today. Um, but... <laughs> Um, she, she, she was such a big character in the preseason and she uh, is invisible on the show. It's not like upsetting. And there was this great deleted scene from this week about uh, hit, or her Hinduism. And like, uh, despite the fact that we have 90 minute episodes, I guess there wasn't time for it, uh, which is disappointing. I know. And it's like, you know, I, I used to be, I don't know. Did you ever, were you ever an edgic person? Little bit. I dipped my toe in it. I, there were seasons where I was posted, like I was, posting every day like basically like obsessing (laughs) over people's edit and and using the logic you know and and being like and when scenes like that are omitted you can basically rule out that person as a winner pick like you can rule them out like you know if she if she wins the show there's no way that scene doesn't make it in so like that's that's very sad you know I feel sad about that because I I really love J Maya and they have really, they've really sort of messed with Edgic in the new era in in the distribution of confessionals has gotten a lot more even for the most part. Um, but there are still indicators. And I think one of those indicators is the deleted scenes. Like I remember yeah. back, um, and I don't, I don't always follow the deleted scenes, but I remember back in 43, there would just be like great deleted scenes with Carla, who... Like at the time was kind of the fan favorite of the season, along with Jesse, I think. And it was just like, well, why is this Carla? It's like a- another Carla deleted scene. Like that's not looking so great. And that mm-hmm. didn't turn out so great. Mm-hmm. So there is something to that. I almost feel like there's more edgic in the deleted scenes now than there is in the show. Right. Exactly. And and also when they show certain scenes, something that doesn't have a bearing on the outcome of an episode, you're like, Oh, well, that person makes yeah. it deep in the game. That person is relevant. Like, why would they show this interaction? You know, like when when the Katura jake lawyer scene happened, yeah. which I was obsessed with, by the yeah. way. I freaking love both of them. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of like love the Bellow tribe. Like, I think they're like a great dynamic, too. Um, but we, we haven't seen that much. But when they showed that, I was like, oh, my God, like Katura, like she's just so awesome. Now, when the hell did this lawyer thing become a problem on Survivor? Like, when, since know. when is it a big, big liability to be a lawyer? I don't know, but it really kind of cracks me up. I mean, I wasn't a lawyer yet on either of my seasons. So it, you know, it's it's not something I dealt with. I mean, they titled me. I would never have called myself a pre-law student. I was like... I'm a college student. I'm an in international relations and political science double major. Like I'm this, I'm that. But I would never have been like pre-law student. But that's what th- that's what CBS made me. That's what Survivor mm. made me. And then obviously I was in law school during um, the filming of Micronesia. So like law student, you know. But but um, but I didn't think of it as a liability at the time. I wouldn't yeah. have thought of it as a liability. Yeah. And I I just I can't recall and it's possible that it has been brought up before, but I just can't recall that there's like really, really uh, like threatening lawyers out there on Survivor. Me neither. (laughs) 
I just didn't think this was a problem. I and I'm always I'm always criticizing when people like lie about their age, like when Sammy was lying about his age in 43, um, or when people lie about their jobs. It's just like, I don't think that that's necessary. And you're going to have to be doing so much lying anyways. Why add to that burden with something trivial? Yeah, you trivial? have to be really, you have to, you have to like really be smart about your lies. Um, and if you're going to lie and like keep it consistent and, you know, there's so much that we don't see, like you're really talking to people all the time about your life and about all these things. And if you're really trying to hide something, it's so hard to do that. I I don't know. It seems most of the time not worth it. Did you ever lie about anything? Um, I think I, I lied about what my dad did. Huh. I didn't want people to know what he did. I didn't want them to like have any thoughts about it. So I said he, so at the time he was, um, he was running a cable company in Taiwan. (laughs) I know it's like very random, but he was chairman of the company. And I said, oh, he works for a cable company. And they were like, oh, your dad works for a cable company. Like, you know, and it was just like, just lying about his position within the company. And it was very funny because then they met my dad and they were like, this guy's like not a cable man. Like, you know, like, like, no, no, no. So anyhow, it's just kind of like didn't want you don't want people to know like you know your your background necessarily. Yeah, I guess I guess the the I, I can see an argument for lying if the if the truth is going to give the impression, uh, particularly on Survivor, that like you quote unquote don't need the money or something. Right. Like that would be a valid reason, right. I guess. To, Although to now, like so many something. so many people who are already millionaires have won the show, that it's like almost. I wonder if that's still like a relevant consideration that people take into account. I, I just don't know. Yeah. And, you know, we, like I, I, we did hear, I think, from Gabby on David Risk Live that, that Mike White kind of like relinquished you know, a possible win at Tribal Council by being like, I don't really feel comfortable taking a million dollars from you know who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So anyways, uh, I do want to talk about the goodwill advantage, which was introduced. We've got a brand new advantage here in episode three, which is where uh, Caleb is going over to do the camp raid on Reba. And he's given this advantage that he says he has to use. He has to give this to somebody and it will allow them to restore one vote lost at tribal. Now, how do you feel about this advantage? How do you feel about losing a vote in general? This is like such a common thing happening now. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say I don't like the restore a vote advantage because I don't like the take a vote advantage. Like part of Survivor is you have to prevent – you have to – you know, you you vote people out and then you prevent yourself from being voted out and you vote and you have alliances and And like taking people's vote feels – I think it detracts from the show. Like I I think it's it's just really not – I think there can be other ways of disadvantaging people if you want to disadvantage them – by using these these advantages, but mm-hmm. but I don't like losing your vote. I yeah, just don't like it. It seems so fundamental to the game that mm-hmm. you vote and everybody gets a vote, and that's the basis of the game is that mm-hmm. you vote somebody out. And so now that we it's it's like fixing a problem that we didn't need in the first place. That like now we need an advantage to vote at tribal council. Imagine right. telling Colleen Haskell that when you run into her on the street. I know, Ugh, embarrassing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it is, it does create an interesting element with these extendable idols where like you can continue to give up 
your vote to extend the life of the idol, uh, as we've seen with um, Sabaya's now now lost idol and Austin's idol. Uh, It it does create an interesting element there, but I just think that that's kind of hard to tell on a show narratively for like the average viewer to be like, okay, so now they've lost it. So they're going to lose two votes, but they can get one back. But like, I just think that's, it's overly complicated. I know. And like advantage Mageddon, you know, Mm. like Suri being voted out with no votes like that, you know, it's like, I'll never forgive the show for that. So I just, I can't, I, I, I don't know. Again, like I mostly dislike all of the advantages and all the yeah. different convoluted ways. Like the show is so great. Like the fundamental premise of Survivor yeah. is so good, which is why this show has persisted for 45 seasons. Like stop messing with it. Mm-hmm. Like, And, and like if, if you're going to put so much focus on uh, these casts, which like this is a great cast in my opinion, and you've got 90 minutes to tell like really interesting stories about these people and what they're doing on the island – we don't need to, we don't need to overcomplicate the game. The game is already interesting. Like, right. And yeah. but don't get me wrong, I kind of like the game with idols because then, you know, totally. it just prevents like pogongings and whatever. Yes. But I and I you know what I also really appreciate, which I, I want to call out because I, I know that I criticize the show for the things that I don't like, is that I like this kind of like you have to find this to find that, like clues to get yeah. to an idol. It's how I ended up with the stick, you know, like it. Yeah. The fucking stick wouldn't exist but for all these different clues because you find it, you find the clue, you find the clue, you find the clue. And then like Ozzy had found the idol and replaced it and Jason believed it because he'd gone through all the steps to get to that point. So so I like the search that results in finding the idol, not just like idol randomly hidden at camp. You can just find it. No one was going to crack open that rock to find the thing, to find the whatever. Like this stuff doesn't happen but for the following of these kind of scavenger hunt like clues. And so... I like that. I like that part of it. And I like the idols existing. But the vote losing is just, I, I think I think it's a detractor as opposed to an, an additive. Yeah, I totally agree. Now that you say, I didn't even really consider it. But now that you say it, like part, and I've always loved idols. Like I think that idols are great. I think there are, are there is space for certain advantages. They just kind of have to make sense right. in the game. Like if they make sense in the environment that, oh, there is this thing here and it works like it, it works not just uh, as as part of a, a game mechanic that kind of makes sense, but it also works in like the world building of Survivor and sort of like the art department. And you've got these idols, which now these idols are just like little beads. I know. Uh, don't love that. But like, you know, in those, in those days when, you know, you had these like really cool idols and it seemed like they were a part of the environment and like it seemed natural that they were being found. Uh, like that was really fun. But then you had Russell Hans kind of break that mm-hmm. and you had uh, people just no longer having to have a clue to find an idol that in in some way you're right they they've brought back the idol clue mm-hmm. which is kind of fun I, exactly. I didn't consider that yeah. I I noticed it and I appreciated it and loved yeah. it I like yeah. the scavenger hunt like that is a fun you feel like you're on the ride with them exactly uh, okay so let's keep that and get rid of the lose a vote agreed and we, then we've got a perfect show ish Okay, (laughs) let's talk about the Bellow tribe because we haven't really touched on them. But I think what's the most interesting here is that we have, uh, I mean, they haven't gone to tribal. Only one tribe has lost, so yes, yes, correct. They they and Reba haven't gone to tribal. Uh, But they haven't been able to like test out the alliances and that's becoming quite interesting because you have Kelly and Brando sort of in the middle between Mm -hmm. the girls and the boys Mm -hmm. on the tribe and we don't know where they're going to land and yet right around the corner appears to be a tribe swap. I know. I know. So So how is that all going to shake out? 
I think the really interesting thing is when there's a tribe swap, when alliances have yet to be tested, you kind of, you know, you're like inclined to just stick with your original tribe, even if those people weren't or wouldn't have been on your mm-hmm. in your alliance in in a if you had gone to tribal before that. So, you know, obviously our poor little Lululemon, Lulu losers are going to be at a disadvantage because no matter what tribe, unless all three of them end up on the same tribe, they will be outnumbered. Yeah. Because we're assuming it's going to stay three tribes, right? Is that the presumption? I think so. Or does I, it... Like- that that's my assumption. I yeah, think me only, too. I, I only saw two colors in the preview of buffs. yellow and blue. Blue, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually true. I wonder if they. I, I actually don't know. So then, if that's the case, then Lulu can't be in an, in an advantage. No matter if it's two tribes, Lulu only has three players. Yes. And there are still f- fifteen people left. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's... Yes. Yeah, there are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at math. That's why I'm a lawyer. Um, <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, I and I assume, uh, gosh, I, I just, I don't know. I hope Caleb, Emily, and Sean maybe end up together. That would be great if the three of them yeah. stay Lulu strong. I know. It is concerning. But I think there there are, is some hope, I feel like, because it does seem like Jay and Sifu are re- like really have nothing going on at Reba as far I, as we've seen. And so like it's not looking great for them. And so But Kelly and Brando are both in, I think, in a great position because no yeah. matter who they end up with from Bello, I mean yeah. Ken Kendra Katura, Kelly, like completely solid. Kelly's also yeah. super solid with the boys. Like Kelly yeah. is like I'm bros with everyone. We're all bros. And then, like, even Kendra and Jake had a bonding scene, which yeah. do they show that? I mean, they show the scene because Jake passes out in a very scary way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried about him for a second there, but seems fine. Um, however, you know, Bello seems pretty tight-knit overall, except everybody maybe doesn't like Bruce. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, true. And maybe it's actually Bruce that's in trouble the most here because him going to another tribe and I think Emily calling him out has sort of like broken the ice on other people potentially being open to doing the same. Katura would get rid of him in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And I feel like, like if look, if it was me and I was on another tribe and Bruce ended up on my swap tribe, I'd be like, guess who's the first out? Bruce, yep. this is easy. And it's like, there, there. I think it's really easy to sort of say, like, even though he didn't get his chance to say, you've had your chance at this. Yeah. And this is our turn. I think it's yeah. easy to make that argument to people. Right. As sad as it is for Bruce. Totally. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Also, if, um, you know, if if that if that uh, Reba foursome gets split up, um and, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are left without Austin and the idol and Drew and the advance, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. So who knows? It's good. I'm, I'm excited for a swap. Yeah. Maybe they have a similar opportunity here, though, to Bello, because although we haven't really been seeing, I mean, we saw like, I think there were like a couple of people a little annoyed about Sifu, but we haven't really seen much about J. Maya. But I do think because those alliances haven't been tested, and I don't think, as far as we know, that J and Sifu know about this alliance that's come together that wherever they end up like you know should i don't know d be stuck with just j and sifu like they could work together 
Yeah. And like D I love D, by the way. D is like, she's sharp as a tack. Like she, yeah. she noticed immediately. She's like, even though we're a foursome, those two have a twosome. Like they are being, you know, they're whispering, they're doing this. Da, 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 da. And she completely, she clocked it immediately. Like she was on it. And so I she, think I really like, I like D. She's also hilarious on Twitter. Like she's oh genuinely really funny. That's awesome. I love and that. She's got and she's that I love huge toe. Her huge toe, exactly. <laughs> um, you know who else I love on Twitter who's like my favorite from this season is um, Austin's mom. Yeah, this is I'm, really interesting because Austin's mom is my favorite. Yeah. Hands down. Obsessed with her. We we're now we're now Twitter buddies. We like DM. I like love her oh. so much. Okay. She See, and my mom would be friends. Like my mom came on the show and was like, I'm worried Eliza's not flossing. I'm worried she's not wearing sunscreen, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so when I saw Austin's mom tweeting about Austin, like not wearing enough sunscreen, I was like, oh my God, you and my mom would be best friends. <laughs> Maybe we, yeah, we need like, we need them. We need like a, I uh, miss the family. Returning players versus moms or something. Like that would be a fun season. I know, right? Uh, but, but I, I've really got my eye on Austin's mom because like, and I don't want to give anything away here, but we have started as, as of last season, this podcast um, has awarded. Uh, <laughs> it's a really, really specific. Did you watch the traders season one? I haven't seen it yet. Oh my God. I know. Lisa. I know. I need to watch it. I need to. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Even with, Oh wow. I know. Okay. I already know what happens, but I yeah, I know. Were, I thought you were friends. We are. I love. I'm, I'm watching. I'm suffering through freaking Big Brother yeah, for I her. Put like, up with that. yeah. Oh, it's so okay. exhausting. Okay, well, watch the traders. So there, there was there was uh, there was a woman on the traders. Her name was Azra. She was just she's not a reality star. She was just a regular person that was brought in, not on the show. Totally not on the show. Gets voted out. Whatever. Spoiler. Um, and so, but her social media is so wild. And so we've introduced this award on this podcast called the Azra Valani. Uh, this is the one. Ma- Maddie Pamela got Maddie Pamela one. So it's so the 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 concept behind the award. It's an achievement in social media award where your social media has had a bigger impact than your time on the show, right? So that's the concept of the award. And I'm keeping my eye out for who might be winning this award, but I, like I don't know. Like it's not a cl- there's no clear winner to me at this point. But well, Brandon like, Don. I mean Brandon Donlin's social media is yes. Excellent. Brandon I don't know be. if you saw his latest TikTok um, yeah, where he's playing like playing the game with the Xbox controller and he's like, how yeah. do you and like it's himself. I mean, like what a he's a gem of a human. And I know he wasn't on this episode, but like I've known him, you know, he he made his parents drive him from Philadelphia to New York for a survivor event that um, that uh, that Meg and Andrea put on, you know, over a decade ago. And he met all of us like I have a picture of the two of us. This was like, you know, He's like 13 years old and he's yeah. it, it, what a sweetheart of a human, just a gem of a person, just the loveliest person you could possibly imagine. And anyhow, what a good attitude he has. And his social media is truly hilarious. Yeah, he's he it is certainly in contention. But I was almost wondering, like, does Austin's mom get the award? Um, Maybe. We'll keep an eye on. I'm going to tell yeah. her. I'm, I'm going to be like, you're, you you got to keep up, keep up the good work. Yeah, you're long listed for you're long listed for the least coveted award in Survivor. <laughs> but that means does Austin have to? No, Austin has to stay on the show. Otherwise, she doesn't have. You know, like yeah, I know. I don't know how this works. I, I think that might be getting like too far out for only the second time we've ever awarded it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But okay. I, I do like the idea. Okay, before uh, we wrap this up, well, do we want to talk about this tribal with with the wax idol? Because oh this my was. God. 
God. wild because wild. it's so crazy because we were all talking about this on Twitter. We talked about it on the podcast last week that can't she just like burn it with her torch or can't she just throw it in the fire at tribal council? And we're like, no, no, there's no way she can do that. And so the fact that she's like, I'm just going to try this. Yep. Wow. It like just what I talk know. about a payoff for the fans. I know. I know. And like, gosh, we were, I, I feel so sad about that. We were just like robbed of more Sabaya because she is extraordinary. Like yeah. what a, what a character. Yeah. What, what a, Charisma. what an amazing, I mean, just yeah. to the nines. And she, the way that she had to play that in order to have everyone on her tribe know that she was going to do this, to still get away with doing it, to restore her vote, like just in everyone's face, like, I mean, really extraordinary gameplay. And it wasn't even, you know, I don't even fault her like for not playing the idol because even if, you know, she would have, if she, or, or not using her vote, you know, like it, it, she was going to, mm-hmm. she was going to get voted out. Because Caleb and Emily would have said, we're going to rocks. Sean, you have to switch or you're picking rocks. And he would have switched. I think Sabaya is going home either way. I mean, she could have played wait, the idol. Wait a second. Wait a second. If she plays the idol, she would be safe from picking rocks. No, no, rocks. no. Not if she, sorry. Not if she, oh, I guess. So, no, no. But if she says, oh, so she would have had to give up her idol to get She would have vote. had to play the idol. Yeah. Oh. So she would have voted. So she would have voted. It would have been a... T- no, so yeah, so Caleb would have gone home because oh. she would have voted. It would have and been used the idol, but there was tie. no way she would have ever. But she used. just she had like she misread the situation. She, I mean, like we saw her work through and be like, okay, well, I know that Emily's voting for Caleb. Like I know where Sean's voting, so like she felt really, really confident. So with the information she had, she just misread the situation. So yeah. like that's what happened. But but she could. It's just like I, I feel like. To just have an idol good for one round, like nobody's going to take that offer. Unless oh, I, w- really... I probably would. Would you? I, I, of course. But I'm one of the most paranoid players to ever play the game of Survivor. <laughs> right. And also, by the way, I think in all the tribal councils I ever attended, I like got votes in all of them. I, I mean, like mm. I really almost got vo- like every single time. My name was always on the table, which is like was frustrating like in certain ways. Whatever the opposite of a perfect game is, that's what you it's, had. Exactly. But <laughs> it was very frustrating because it was like you could never, like I never got to, like the, the strategizing I did to prevent myself from getting voted off never got shown because otherwise it would have been obvious I wasn't going home and they needed me as a decoy boot in basically every episode. But it also meant mm-hmm. I got a lot of airtime and, you know, I, I can't regret anything about how I came across mm-hmm. on the show or how I played the game, anything like that. But, but I... Always, and I said to Jeff, like I always, I, I, there was never a single tribal where I didn't bring my bag, where I didn't think there was a chance I was going home, um, you know, I, except for when I had individual immunity one time in all yeah. my, you know, and and so so it was basically like I'm, I probably would have been like, oh cool, I have an idol, great, let me like play it today, and then maybe find another one tomorrow, but at least I know yeah. I'm going to be here tomorrow. Like I'm always the person. I'm thank God I never had an idol because like I I can't keep a secret like really in that way. Like I my face gives it away, so I'm gonna be like, do you have an idol? I'd be like, no. When you say no like that, do you really mean yes? No. Like I would play it immediately. I have no poker face. Um, you know, people like. It's so funny that I'm perceived as a villain even on the show because, like, I was loyal to the people who I said I was going to be loyal to until they turned on me. Like, I never lied. I never, like, deceived people. I just 
you know, was me. And mm-hmm. so I would literally have played it immediately because that's how paranoid I am. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I feel like being a decoy vote is that's a great reason to play an idol because you never know when that decoy. I mean, I, that's kind of what's happened to Sabai. And she offered to be the decoy. Which is a big mistake, I feel like. So, Huge. yeah, maybe. And I would always say to people, well, then make it. someone else a decoy. Just say you're voting Sean. Don't yeah. say my name. Don't put me down. Like, even Julie was like, you know, I think I'm going to vote with the guys. Like, you know, Chad really wants me to write your name down. I think I'm just going to vote with them this vote. And I'm like, Julie, that could end up getting me voted out. Like, you're, you can't do that. Like, I, I explained to her. I was like, or it could be a tie and then we'll go to rocks and blah, blah, blah. This was at final eight. I was like, you cannot do that. She's like, I really don't want to write Chad's name. Down. I'm like, you have to. And she was like, okay, fine. And like, you know, I, I mean, it was just like always a thing, but it was, oh God. Yeah. You never want anyone writing your name down. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Based on something I saw on Twitter. Okay. I saw that Hi tweeted, he he wished he lived in a world where Amanda Kimmel was a survivor winner and you responded, that's on me. My bad. Now, was this just flippant? Uh... <laughs> Like, I would like to, not to, I know that the finale of Micronesia has been relitigated and relitigated and imagined in so many different scenarios, final three, final two. Um, but do, do you care to elaborate any more on that tweet? Well, listen, I knew going into, I knew where everyone's votes were landing going into the Micronesia vote. I knew exactly where everyone's votes were landing. And I even asked Jeff Probst, would it be something that the show wanted to see? Because I really despised both of those women. And so I said, would it be good for the show? Does the show want the first ever tie in a final vote? Like, do you want a tie? And he was like, Eliza, we just want you to vote how you want to vote. We don't want to, and we're not asking you to do any, like that. And I was like, okay, Jeff, like, fine. I was just asking if it would be interesting for the show. Because at the time, like, especially going into it, I, I was kind of like, I was a little bit torn. Like, I genuinely didn't know which way I was going to go. Um, and Ozzy and I had become very close. And I knew he was voting for Amanda. And I knew James was voting for Amanda. You know, I really knew where all the votes were going. And so if I had voted for Amanda and it had been a tie, and listen, this is now this is conjecture because I don't actually know what they would have done mm-hmm. to break that tie. However, based on a couple comments that were made to me, which somebody said, that they hoped it wasn't a tie because they had a flight out that night, um, whereas the rest of us were, were, you know, having our post finale party and we were flying out the next day. And they were like, "I might miss my flight if it's a tie." That made me think that that meant that something would have happened that would have, like, taken time. You know, I think that there would have been a challenge of some sort. Yeah. And Amanda was so far superior to Parvati in in a lot of these kind of challenge situation like I just Mm. I mean yes Parvati won some challenges too like I just think it might have been fire making it might have been something else I think Amanda would have had a real shot and so imagine like a one of those 12 hour endurance challenges like how great and like drama for a win for a for a million dollars wow and so whatever it was like I don't know what it would have been and you know but I know that my vote would have caused the tie, like 100%. That my vote was the one that was up for grabs. My vote would have caused the tie. It would have given Amanda a shot at the win. Um, you know, again, all of this stuff is butterfly effect. Everything is, is you know, if 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 Fair Play hadn't gotten body slammed by Danny Bonaducci a mm-hmm. week before we left for Micronesia, Parvati would have been first out. So, you know, there are a lot of what ifs. And, yeah. and you, you know, I, I, 
Suri, Suri will always be the true winner in my heart. Where do you stand on Amanda and Parvati today? <laughs> like, how um, do you feel about them? I, I don't know that you do you have a relationship with either of them. Uh, I, I haven't talked to Amanda in years. I don't think. I don't know where no, she is. I don't, is. I don't else. know. I don't. I, she, yeah, I think she has a kid. I think. Yeah. She's like off the grid a bit. Um, yeah. And Parv and I will text occasionally. Um, uh, last week was the anniversary of. Uh, the one year anniversary of the day Oscar died, my pup, and she sent me a very lovely message, oh, you know, just nice. sending me love, saying she was thinking of me. Um, and, you know, a few weeks before that was her birthday and I had sent her a text which hadn't gone through. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, she, you know, she then responded when she got back. So, uh, you know, we have a we have a cordial relationship. Okay. But uh, you don't do you <laughs> Do you regret the vote or do you not regret the vote? You know, I don't regret. I, I, I try not to have any regrets in life. Okay. I think um, this is, you know. <laughs> Eliza, one of my earliest uh, memories of sort of like online Survivor world is is going on Survivor Sucks and reading uh, you, your comments and, and sort of like all the different threads. And you, the, the first thing that really blew my mind as a behind the scenes Survivor thing was uh, you detailing what your actual final tribal questions were to Parvati and Amanda. Uh, I know we have to wrap up, but do you, do you want to rehash what those were at all for anybody? So, I mean, <laughs> listen, people can go and find it and read the whole recap of it. But basically, I genuinely didn't know who I was going to vote for. So I gave the speech that you did see mm-hmm. uh, kind of ripping into both of them, which I thought was a lovely opportunity to do so. And I really miss jury speeches um, in the new era. Um, But I then did what we would have back in the day considered a fallen comrades challenge, um, where Jeff used to do a challenge at tribal council asking questions about the eliminated contestants. Because it kind of really shows how much you you actually care about these people, how much you've listened to the things that they've said over the course of the 38 potentially days that you spent with them. And to kind of really see people's true colors. And so I wrote um, questions out and, and about the the people sitting on the jury, the people who they purported uh-huh. to care about. And Amanda and Parvati could not answer basically any of them. It was so embarrassing uh, that, you know, obviously the show didn't show it, <laughs> but I, God, I would pay, I would pay money for, we, we could like crowdfund, you know, I bet we could like raise a ton of money if, if they would release that footage because boy, was it glorious. Um, release the Eliza Orland's cut of Micronesia. Yeah. Yes, please. Did but did you not also ask if they could name anybody running for the primary or something? I did. That was like the tiebreaker because they both uh. failed every question. <laughs> they couldn't answer a single question of anything of any any individual question that I asked about the people who were um, who were on the jury. And then I said, "Okay, but can you name anyone running for president?" Like that was like the tiebreaker. I mean, it was just hilarious. <laughs> And so, so Parvati won that tiebreaker? I mean, not ish. It was like, I just then listened to the rest of their, tri- like the rest of their answers tribal. Right, okay, I went first. Okay. They had me go first. Okay. Oh, interesting. I was the lead off. Okay. All right. Wow. 
Well, we're going to have to have you back to really rehash Vanuatu and Micronesia at some point because so many more questions and so much lore around those seasons. But I want to thank you so much for coming and doing this and talking Survivor 45 because everybody loves to hear from you and you're very frequently um, requested guest. So we'll have you back again and again and again. So thank you so much, Eliza. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. This is always so much fun. I love you. Love your social media. You guys win the social media award always. <laughs> thank you. Um, everyone follow, you know, and then, yeah, I have, um, I'm E Orleans on Instagram, Eliza yes. Orleans on TikTok, but I also have Survivor Eliza on TikTok and Instagram, which is like where I'm trying to post all the Survivor content and constantly calling out the, um, the terrible uh, members of our Survivor community. Mm-hmm. Um, which we love. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what, sorry, what is the Survivor Eliza Instagram? That's new, right? It is. I just made it. It's the same as my TikTok, Survivor Eliza. At Survivor Eliza. Wow, that wasn't taken. I'm surprised. I know. (laughs) Well, I'm the only Survivor Eliza, so, you know. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, thank you so, so much. Hey, go enjoy the Eras Tour movie tonight. I know I will be. Me too. I've got oh, but my, you actually went to the Eras tour. I did. You know, I've got my It's a Fucking Stick uh, no. friendship bracelet. A fan made this for me. Oh, my God. I know. Enjoy. I'm to the Drop Your Buffs one. And, of course, if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can follow us at Drop Your Buffs Pod. On Twitter, we are at Drop Buffs Pod. We also have a whole lot going on on our Patreon. We're doing a weekly after show to our regular recaps over there. We've uh, rewatched and recapped Panama and Borneo. There's uh, so much going on there. So check out our Patreon. The link to that is in the show notes for this episode. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye, Eliza. Bye.